Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Plus Cast, episode number four. I think we're on now. God damn, it is hot here in Canada. We are literally in the middle of a heat wave. It's four billion degrees out. Everyone outside is currently spontaneously combusting. Um, I've managed to keep myself indoors. I have a nice little fan behind me blowing some uh, pretty warm air on me, but it's... Uh, Slightly cooler than the uh, molten hot air that is currently outside. So let's stay inside. Let's listen to some podcasts. Let's talk about some hockey today. We got some news. It's not as big of a news uh, day as uh, the last episode, but we do have some things to talk about. So let's just kick right into it. Let's get to the news. Let's get to uh, some of the trades, or I guess literally just trades, plural. There was only two trades that happened since the last episode. Uh, pretty interesting. You know, the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, making some moves out here. So they kick it off with a deal with the New Jersey Devil Devils. They acquire defenseman John Marino from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for defenseman Ty Smith and a third-round pick for the 2023 entry draft. Uh, this is an interesting move. It makes more sense when we talk about the next trade coming up here with Pittsburgh. But uh, this definitely seems like a cap dump. Uh, John Marino, he signed a pretty big ticket. Uh, fairly young defenseman. I believe he's only 25. But he signed a big ticket. It was like four or five years. Like just shy of $5 million. Uh, he's been, you know, I don't watch a lot of Pittsburgh Penguins. But he's been a pretty solid defenseman. But uh, I think that at just at this point now, that cap hit is a little rich for them. They just re-signed uh, Malkin and Latang to big extensions. Not the highest salary cap. I think they're, they're basically saving money. I mean, they only gave Chris Latang a little bit more than I think he was making on the last one. And Malkin obviously taking, I think, $3 million less than his last contract. So uh, Penguins here just trying to uh, free up a little bit of salary cap. They pick up Ty Smith. Um, you know, this guy's kind of had a couple up and down seasons. I remember him being like pretty hyped up there in New Jersey one season. Then last year it didn't go so hot for him. But uh, the Penguins pick him up. I guarantee he'll put up 78 points because he's just going to Pittsburgh. That's just what happens to guys going to Pittsburgh. They always just get a lot of points. Uh, but he brings virtually no salary cap, so they're getting a body on the blue on the blue line for cheap, and they get a third round pick, and they shed some some salary cap. So I think it's a pretty all, all around good deal for both teams. Uh, New Jersey gets what I, I would call him. He's an upgrade over Ty Smith, so they shore up the blue line a little bit. He's got like three or four more years, so you get a little bit of stability there on the blue line. So yeah, it's a fine trade overall. I'm okay with that. Uh, then the Pittsburgh Quank. Uh, Jesus, we're already off to one of the one of those kind of days. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins acquired defenseman Jeff Petrie and forward Ryan Paling from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for defenseman Mike Matheson and a fourth round pick in the 2023 entry draft. Okay, so I think uh, everyone kind of knew that uh, Petrie was on the move. He's kind of been on the trading block all last year pretty well, and uh, he finally finds a team to take him, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are taking him on. Pittsburgh trying to be, what, the oldest team in the league right now? Jeff Petrie's not a young guy, and my fuck, did he ever have a disaster of a season last year? It was his first full season without Shea Weber on his on his side there, and my God, did he ever take a hit without having Shea Weber with him, man. I'm not going to lie, I've drafted Jeff Petrie, and like, I think the last three or four years I've been drafting this guy, like making a, a very contentious e effort to get him in the draft because he's so goddamn good in fantasy. 
But uh, yeah, I picked him up this year, and it was an absolute shit show out of him this season. I kept him for so long, and then finally just had to drop him, just bite the bullet, drop him. He never really got it back this season. So again, he's going to Pittsburgh, so he's going to put up 70-plus points. And uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good... I don't really know, man. Like, if, if Petrie gets it back, then yeah, it's going to be good. But if Petrie was actually held up that much by Shea Weber... I don't know what's going to happen with him here in, in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's going to be – like, who's he going to – I can't see him being paired with uh, Chris Letang because Petrie is way more of an offensively-minded defenseman. I do, he's not that great defensively, but, you know, he brings a lot of experience. He's played a ton of games. They also bring in a young forward, Ryan uh, Paling. I don't know if he's going to crack the lineup or not, but if he does, just put him on a wing with uh, – I don't even I don't even know. Yeah, okay, it says he's a four. Yeah, just put him on the wing with Crosby and he'll he'll be able to put 40, 50 points up, no problem. And then they lose um defenseman Mike Matheson. This was another uh defenseman. He's like twenty-eight years old, kind of signed a pretty big ticket, had quite a few more years on it, just shy of five million dollars. But Petrie as well still has like three or four more years left on his deal, and he's bringing in like a six point two five million dollar cap hit. So that's why the Penguins had to move off of John Marino to try and bring in. Uh, I would say Jeff Petrie is an upgrade over the two defensemen there. I think it's an upgrade over Matheson and John Marino. As long as Petrie kind of finds that median area. I don't know if he's ever going to be as good as he was when he had uh, Shea Weber on his wing. I don't know if he's... He, he can't be as bad as he was last season. But the guy brings a lot of... Uh, a lot of really good qualities. He could be really good on the power play. He can pass. He can dish. So... Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins making some moves here. Um, I'm. It, it'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. They're definitely adding uh, a bit more age and experience. That team is looking like really, really old right now. I must say, um, it's going to be an interesting year for sure for the Penguins. I, I can see them. They're gearing up for. They're going for it again. I can see them like definitely being competitive this year for a playoff spot. I don't think we have to worry just yet about them missing playoffs. I think it's. A, Pretty safe bet that they'll make it, but how much damage are these guys going to do in the playoffs? I don't know, man. Like, I know the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Cross is still the Wizard. You can't really bet against them, but do I see this team as a as a Stanley Cup contender next season? No, I don't think so. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. But uh, they're trying, man. They're trying. You know, they know that they're, the window with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang is still open. It may not be open very much, but it's there's still a crack. There's still some light shining through, so they're going for it. It's it's bold strategy. We'll see if it pays off for them, Cotton. Uh, that was it for trades, so we're going to go into uh, some signings. Now, not as many crazy signings as there were as last week's episode, but there are some signings out here. A couple that I'm good with, uh, one or two that I'm not okay with, but... Only one way to find out what my opinion is, so let's just fucking get into it. Let's start on, uh, so the day after, I think I recorded it on, like, the 14th or 13th or something like that, so I'm just gonna start from the day after all the signings that happened after my, my, uh, first recording. So you got Brad Hunt signed a two-year deal, financials not released, he re-signs with Colorado, Pilot, I think we talked about him, Zach Sanford signs a one-year deal, 850 grand with Nashville, Morgan Frost signs a one-year, 800, 800 grand deal i've i've heard i uh, had a buddy that i worked with uh he's not there no more but he was a flyers fan and he talked up this morgan frost kid a lot so he's he's back for one more year maybe maybe he could break out a little bit this year you know that it doesn't look like it's gonna be a very good year either for for flyers fans uh blankenberg signs a two-year 1.65 
I don't know who he is. Now, here's one for the Toronto Maple Leaf fans out here. We got uh, Callie Yarncroak signing a four, count them, four-year deal, a uh, total of $8.4 million, coming out to a $2.1 million per season. Okay, so I'm fine with the player. I'm fine with the cap hit. My big my big problem is the years like why does this why did we give this guy four years man like i don't i don't really see this guy slotting in into that top six role i don't like i see he, he appears to be like a third fourth line guy for us um when it comes to third fourth line guys i do not like when we sign them for anything over three years man i always get i really get uh just very uncomfortable around that deal i'm feeling rather uncomfortable around this deal um the $2.1 million is fine. I think that's it's fine. It's not too bad. This guy, Callie Yarncroke, is a is a very consistent, like, 10 to 15 goals per season, 30, 35-ish uh, points per season. So, like, not amazing. Uh, he just seems like a really solid player. Now, the big kicker on this one is uh, Kyle Dubas used to be this guy's agent back in the day, so he's got a connection to Kyle Dubas, and we all know Dubas loves his guys right now, he's just bringing in anyone and everything that's from Sault Ste. Marie, uh, that, that one Chicago's minor league, uh, organization, and pretty much anyone who's had a pass with, with Dubas right now, he's just bringing in anyone, and, uh, Cal Yarncroke being another one, I feel like Calgary Flames fans are gonna say that, watch the fuck out for this guy, because Calgary picked this guy up at trade deadline. He did pretty much nothing for them. I think he got four points in like 16 games. Uh, wasn't very effective in their playoff run. They, they had a pretty disappointing playoff run. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. People seem to be pretty okay with the deal. Me, I'm, I'm more on the side of just like, why did we sign him for four years? I don't think this one's going to work out for us. Uh, if he, Even if he is a uh, consistent... Uh, 30 point guy I mean I just I just don't like the years that's all I'm just worried about the years he's 30 years old now so he's gonna be 34 35 when this is over uh do I like I don't know man like just with the bottom six guys I just don't like I just don't like the four years I'm, that's all I'm gonna say uh welcome to the team though Callie Yarncroak uh, I hope you can put up 40 50 points first instead on the third run on third line that'd be great uh, you got Schaefer signed a three-year uh entry level deal there in Edmonton uh, Ren Picklick signs a two-year deal uh, worth $2.2 million total, $1.1 million per season for the Montreal Canadiens. I feel like that'll be a pretty solid bottom six uh, forward for him. I've heard good things from, about this player. Harkins signs a two-year deal, uh, pretty much uh, league minimum. Yanmark signs a one-year deal with the Oilers. Mikola signs a one-year deal with St. Louis. These are all small deals. Uh, we got another Toronto Maple Leafs signing. The, the Maple Leafs re-signed Pierre Engvall for a one-year deal, $2.25 million. Uh, I'm okay with this. This, uh, this is good. You know, Pierre Engvall, like I said in the last episode, uh, he he earned his... Uh, I think he earned his money this year. He, play, he played much better this, uh, this last season here. He really stepped his game up. I still think he has more to offer us, so I'm, I'm expecting... Uh, 
not at least what we got out of Pierre Engvall last year. Let's build on that, Pierre. Let's get you some more goals this season. It looks like he's going to be given a bigger role on the team this year. I can't see at that cap hit him being the fourth line center that he was. So I can see him being the third line center this year over David Camp. Maybe we move David Camp down to that fourth line center just because, like, I know David Camp is a, kind of a defensive specialist, but he has, like, zero offensive abilities and Pierre Engvall had more uh, offensive abilities so I can see him being our third line center this year I am fine with this signing I think Pierre Engvall had a really solid season so good for him uh, the Boston Bruins made a bunch of signings pretty all all minor signings uh, Akin, Philippe and Mast all re-sign Montreal Canadiens signed goaltender Montembeau for two years. Financials weren't released. That's a cool signing. You know, French guy out of, uh, in French, uh, French man, French man going to a French place. That's, that's always good, right? Uh, Kakinen signs a two-year deal. This goaltender Kakinen signs a two-year deal, $5.5 million total, coming out to $2.75 million per season. Uh, with the way that uh, San Jose is going right now, they really just need a goaltender. I think they still have Aiden Hill. Kakinen showed some pretty good flashes there with Minnesota. So it's I would say it's a fairly low-risk signing for them. It's only two years, so under $3 million. I don't think – it's more than likely going to be a tandem situation there in San Jose this year with uh, Aiden Hill and Kakinen. It's not. It's not going to be great, but I don't. It's a, an improvement over Martin Jones, right? So there's that. Uh, San Jose also re-signs Luke Kunin. That's a two-year deal. Financials weren't released. Uh, young player. Uh, Geeky also signs a entry-level deal. I believe that is the guy that Arizona, uh, one of the Arizona draft picks this season or this draft. And then the last signing, uh, Vitek Vanacek, the guy that I forgot to talk about like three times. I'll talk about him right now. Uh, he was traded from Washington to uh, New Jersey. He's had a, a weird, a little wacky uh, last season. He was taken in the expansion draft from Seattle. Seattle then re-signs or uh, signs Grubauer in the in the what the hell do you call it, free agency. So they just sent him back to Washington for a couple picks. Washington uses him for the season. They weren't big fans of him. They deal him off. And now he's re-signing with the New Jersey Devils with a three-year deal coming out to $10.2 million per season, 3.4 overall. Ah, I mean, considering that I feel like Samsonov was the better goalie of the two last season in Washington and... and, and um, He's, he's making less, or uh, Vanacek's making more than him, but it is for more years, so uh, Jersey's really desperate for goaltending right now. Bernier doesn't look like he's playing anymore. Blackwood needs to find himself, so signing Vanacek... Um it's gonna be it's gonna be a big year for Vanacek. It's gonna be a kind of a show me year. Like, what can you do? I imagine he's going to be playing. I guess it depends on what Blackwood does if he gets his shit back together. Because that guy was was on like the Team Canada uh, listings for the Olympics. Like, they were gonna use him as one of their goalies. So that's a very prestigious spot to be one of the goaltenders for Team Canada. And like, ever since that announcement, he's just kind of like fallen off of a cliff. Poor guy. But um. It's going to be more than likely him and Vanacek going tandem this year for New Jersey. Uh, they've made some moves this season. Do I think they're going to be in the playoffs this year? Probably not, but I can see them being much more competitive, though, than they were last season. So that's good. Uh, more depends like what, what happens with their new defenseman that they drafted. Is he going to be playing this year? I would think no. They, there's still lots of free agents out there, so there's still a bunch of stuff that can happen. 
Okay, so that was all the signings. Um, oddly enough, let's just talk quickly about Nazem Kadri because he still hasn't been signed yet. And the longer that he isn't being signed, the more and more uh, convinced I am that he's just going to re-sign with the Colorado Avalanche. And Colorado, it feels like there's just a blockage in the system right now, and everyone's waiting for Nazem Kadri. And Kadri appears to be waiting for Colorado to do something. It appears that Colorado wants to make a deal with with a team. Uh, I'm hearing that it's going to be rather uh, Gerard or Eric Johnson possibly going on the move here. I can't see. I don't know why a team would want to help uh, Colorado out right now by taking on Eric Johnson, a guy that would, you know, that he means the world to Colorado, but it would mean the, even more uh, more to them if they could free up that six million dollars in cap space, keep Gerard, who is a great defenseman. He didn't really get to, he didn't get to play at all through, for the playoff run, and then if they get rid of Johnson, then they can re-sign. Kadri so I just feel like everyone in the league is aware of what's going on with Kadri it looks like everyone knows that he wants to come back to Colorado but the league isn't going to facilitate a trade to help out Colorado get Kadri back because that just doesn't make any sense for any other team in the league unless Colorado is going to give you something juicy like like say for example if Arizona happens to take on an Eric Johnson contract. Well, obviously, they're going to have to sweeten that up a little bit, right? So rather, a prospect would be going in that trade as well, or they're going to be sending off some draft picks uh, to Arizona, which for Colorado don't hold all that much value, but a first-round pick is a first-round pick. And if it's in the 2023, 2023 draft, then you know the more the merrier when it comes to this, this draft for Arizona. They just want more picks. So I could see maybe something like that happening, but it hasn't happened yet, so I don't know. Other teams that I hear are in on Kadri possibly are the New York Islanders. Okay, that if, if you know... Kadri's played under Lou before. He would have to shave off that beautiful, beautiful beard. So I don't know if he's going to want to do that. Um, they're going to be under all all new uh, coaching. So it's going to be, it would be a lot for him to take in. But I, I could see him going there. And then the other team that I keep hearing is Calgary, which I don't know if Kadri really wants to go there. Because I don't, if you guys remember, Kadri, when he was with the Leafs and the Leafs were trying to trade him initially, uh, they had a deal in place with Cal with the Calgary Flames, which was going to send Kadri there. But Kadri uh, nixed the trade. He said, no, I'm not going to go play there. Now, I don't know if that was because Kadri was like, no, I just don't want to be traded out of Toronto. Or was that more like, no, nah, I just don't want to play in Calgary. Uh, I don't know, um, but apparently Calgary is possibly in on this guy considering they lost Johnny Goudreau, which which really sucks for for the Flames, obviously. Um, yeah, so th there's word out there that Calgary Flames may be in on this guy. I'm still convinced that he is some, uh, somehow going to be still with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think he's willing to take a little bit of a salary cut to uh, do what they did again last year and go for another cup run. Well, we'll just have to wait. Um, still a ton of names out there, dude. Like, there are a ton of names still out there. P.K. Subban, Phil Kessel, uh, Anton Stroman, Nito Niederreier, Calvin DeHaan, John Klingberg, Victor Rask, Paul Stashny, Will Butcher, Anton Roussel. I don't even, I don't know why I said his name. He's not that great of a player. I just, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Braden Holpe, Ryan Murray. I, I'm interested in Ryan Murray, man. If I, if I was a team out there, I'd be calling Ryan Murray up. I'd be like, this is a, this is like a, a decent top six, still fairly young defenseman. Maybe his asking price is too high, but, um, 
I could see a team signing him pretty cheap. Sonny Milano, Kyle Turris, Chris Russell, Dan Heinen, Ryan Dezingle. There's still lots and lots of guys out there, man. Uh, let's see. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? I think we're pretty good. Danny Kaiser, Louis Erickson. Is that guy going to get another team? I don't know, man. That's uh, That's interesting. But uh, speaking of recent signings and Johnny Goudreau, uh, if anyone uh, checked out the most recent episode of Spittin' Chicklets, uh, you may have noticed that Johnny Goudreau was actually on that show this week. He was the special guest. They had him interviewed right after he signed with Columbus. And uh, I was I was hoping we were going to get some uh, some juicy scoops out of there. But, you know, Johnny Goudreau is still a professional player. He's uh, he's still in the NHL, so he wasn't going to badmouth or say anything, you know, too controversial or anything on, on there because he knew that a lot of people are going to be hearing it. So he basically just ran it down like he got a lot of recommendations from buddies and other players around the league saying that Columbus is just a really awesome, under-the-radar place to be, to play in. The fans are excellent. Um, yeah, I, I, that's pretty much all he was saying. Like Cam Atkinson had a lot, you know, a lot of good things to say. They, they were talking, uh, right up until he signed and they were talking up Columbus. Uh, Cam Atkinson played for Columbus for a long, long time. And, uh, now he's in Philadelphia, but he still lives in Columbus and had nothing but great things to say. Uh, his own teammate, Maddie Kachuk was saying great things about, uh, Columbus He's got uh, Good Branson, who just signed there. He was saying good things. So all in all, it just sounds like you know, uh, on top of like he knew, like he wanted to go to Philadelphia. Obviously, uh, Philadelphia didn't offer him anything. They pretty much just sat on their hands. They didn't do anything. There was really nothing they could do. There, they had no money to give him. So what what could they do other than sit there? No teams were willing to make deals with them. So there was nothing they could do. I mean, if. I would have made it happen, man. Like, like you knew that Johnny Goudreau was going to be a free agent, and uh, more li- and and you knew that he wanted to be on your team. He wanted to come to Philadelphia. This was known. So Philadelphia, this whole season, should have had the number one goal of making sure that we get this guy in, in the off season. And they didn't. They had all year to move guys, but instead they spent all their extra cash on Ryan Ellis which I'm fine with Ryan Ellis. It was just tragic that he didn't get to play all season, and now that just looks like a whole disaster. He's, he's a great player, but it just didn't have, just didn't work out. And then they, they, they send out all these assets and give a huge contract to Risto Ristolainen, which is one of the biggest what-the-fucking-fucks are you doing I've ever seen. But it, it, they could have saved all that cash, maybe moved out of Kevin Hayes or something, done anything, maybe moved out of JVR after he scored those hat tricks early on and got that fucking cap off and got Jun- John Johnny Goudreau, but I don't even give a shit because fuck the Philadelphia Flyers. This is so good for Columbus, man. Like, I'm so happy that, you know, someone finally bit the bullet. A superstar is finally signing with Columbus. I like Columbus a lot, man. Like, their fans are awesome. I'm not a big fan of the cannon thing going off after every goal, but your fans are excellent. Your teams are always such, like, underdog stories. They're always so easy to root for, and, like, I just like cheering for, for their teams. excuse me, like every year we go in at the beginning of the season, everyone's got Columbus so down. Oh, they're terrible. They're going to be a fucking, they're going to be a lottery team again. And then they always surprise us. They always do much better. I love Elvis Merz Lickens. That guy is sick. I hope the, I hope he's going to be an absolute stud. Uh, 
yeah, man, I, I dig Columbus, and I think this is just going to be the beginning. I can see, like, now that Johnny's come there, and, like, the word is starting to spread that Columbus is actually a really awesome place to be, an awesome place to, to live, an awesome place to play. I can start, we, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more people going there. I still feel really bad that season when Columbus, like, put everything into that team. They had Panarin was there. It was his last year. And they tried everything in their power to try and try and convince this guy to stay. They brought in all these guys, brought in Matt Duchesne. They brought in Dezingle. They brought in, they, they loaded up as much as they could. They fucking take out the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round and probably the biggest upset of all time. They swept the Lightning in the year that they were supposed to win the cup. And, like, yeah, then everyone ditches them. And, like, I, I couldn't help but feel, like, really bad for them because, like, that was such a fun little run there. Like, them taking out Tampa, like, that was so sick, man. That was such a fun time. But, uh, yeah, Johnny Goudreau signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets, man. I'm, I'm super happy with, with that. I think it's so cool. Like, uh, it was so random. I know uh, New Jersey was in on him, but... Uh, he he didn't really get into details. He didn't say anything like why he didn't. It basically just came down to like people got in his ear late and Columbus just kind of swooped in and did it. They got the deal done. And it, it appears like I heard offers that came out of Calgary as high as $11 million. So Goudreau left quite a bit of money on the table. We're talking like $15 million. So I think the importance like like I know he didn't want to say it. and and uh, But I think the importance that of like this player, <clears throat> sorry, this player spent 10 years in Calgary and he was in that Cana that Canadian media market for so long. I completely understand and support him. Like, yeah, he didn't say this. I'm just saying, I'll say it for him. Like, you wanted, he wanted to get the fuck out of that Canadian market. He was tired of that Canadian uh, media. And, like, I think it's just, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Like, more and more players are not willing to sign with teams in, in uh Canada like look at Edmonton for example like teams and I mean players should be lining up every free agency to come play and take discounts to go <coughs> excuse me be a winger for Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl and it's just that goddamn Canadian media dude like they take every little thing that players say and do to the to just the most extremes they write these ridiculous stories I'll bring up the fucking Phil, De Phil Kessel hot dog story like Whoever that writer was, I don't even know your name. You're an absolute hunk of shit. I hate you for doing things like that. Like, you're the reason why you scare players out of playing for Canadian teams. Like, you write terrible things about these players. You disrespect them over and over again. And all these guys do is give you everything they can. Everything that, that they give you what they can, man. Like, they're human too. Like, we may put these athletes up on these pedestals. But at the end of the day, they're all just human beings. They all hurt. They all feel. They all they read the words that they write about you. And then they got to deal with you on a daily basis. And they're trying to give you you know help you out and giving you stories and then you turn your backs on them and write this shit about them it's just i have no respect or time for those kind of people that write these kind of stories about players but that's my two cents man like uh, the canadian media market just needs to settle the fuck down and it's probably a main reason why like we'll find out uh when johnny goudreau retires and and they get him back on chicklets like two years after he retires and he's gonna say he's gonna say he's like the canadian media market man like it's not the fans fans are great they're extremely passionate it's the it's the media market that riles up all these fans and gets them all crazy and then that that makes you know there are fans out there that are 
probably DMing uh, Johnny Goudreau's wife and, like, his friends and, and stuff, saying, like, oh, you're such a piece of shit for leaving Calgary. Like, fuck you. And it's like, well, whatever, man. Like, I wouldn't even give those people the time of day. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm not <laughs> gonna stop rambling now. I just kind of blacked out for like eight seconds there. I don't even know what I just said. Hopefully, it wasn't too bad. So yeah, uh, check out the. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. Check out Chicklets. The interview wasn't that great. It was pretty underwhelming. I was expecting a lot more, but uh, yeah, I'm happy for Johnny Goudreau and uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Can't wait to see uh, what else happens. I mean, they still got Patrick Liney out there. Maybe that convinces him. Is Liney going to become a 50 goal scorer now that he's got Johnny Gugu uh, dishing him on the wing? I mean, they still need a center, right? Like Johnny Goudreau isn't a center. So who's going to center these guys? They still need a center. Um, yeah. Uh, after that, let's uh, let's dip into a little bit of Maple Leaf talk here. Um, so I, I've been waiting, like I, I've been, de I was debating today if I wanted to do the podcast today or tomorrow, and I just decided, fuck it, let's just do it today because um, I've been waiting for numerous days now for uh, the trade to come out of Toronto. I mean, we all know the trade's coming, right? The trade has to come. We're over the salary cap. We have too many defensemen. We still have Rasmus Sandin waiting for a contract. So what the fuck are we gonna do here? Um, word out there is, um, so we have to make a deal, right? There, there has to be a trade. So word out there is it's gotta be one of Justin Hall, defenseman, Alexander Kerfoot forward, Jake Muzzin, or this one, I'm just kind of throwing out there. There's, I mean, all these are just rumor and innuendo, uh, you know, Dubas or Keith hasn't come out and specifically said we are trading these players. Actually, for a matter of fact, they actually did come out and said that they're not going to trade Muzzin, but I'm just not going to, I'm just personally not going to believe that because GMs lie all the fucking time. So I I'm saying if the Leafs are going to trade anybody, it, it's, it's going to be one of these four players, Justin Hall, Alexander Kerfoot, Jake Muzzin or Rasmus Sandin. And here's why. So Justin Hall, if you're if you've been a Leaf fan for the last couple seasons, you've been watching this Justin Hall guy. Oh man, what a roller coaster ride! So he started out uh, just as like a prospect. He made a couple call ups. He scored a couple goals. Looked pretty interesting. Then he cracks the roster. He, he starts playing, and he's and he's paired up with Jake Muzzin, and and they ended up being a very solid pair together. And then you know the 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 problems started squeaking through a lot more commonly. Started making a lot more consistent mistakes. Uh, last season especially, dude. Like, last season, it just kind of all broke apart. Like, I know Muzzin was hurt, and, and maybe Justin Hall was hurt. But, like, those two, it just didn't click at all that se last season. Justin Hall looked like a lost puppy half the time. He was making so many mistakes. Just such dumb mistakes. Like, I don't even... I have no idea what happened to this guy over the summer. I don't know what he saw or what someone told him. But, like, something got in that guy's head, and all of a sudden, he just, like stop playing good consistent defensive hockey so and he carries a pretty heavy uh salary cap at like 2.75 and it's for one more year so and even if we do trade justin hall it's apparently not going to be enough to cover our overages on the salary cap and to be enough for uh re-signing sandine so if we're trading justin hall we would also have to trade out more than likely alexander kerfoot who carries a 3.5 million dollar cap hit now, this guy's been on, like, the trade rumor block for pretty much since he got here, I'd say. I like Alexander Kerfoot. He's a solid player. I was really excited to see him added in that initial deal with the Kadri deal. If we just got just just uh, Tyson Berry for Nazem Kadri, that probably would have went down as one of the worst trades in history. But thank God we also got Kerfoot added in on that. Now, the only problem with Kerfoot is his cap hit, 35 
I mean, he did get 50 points, so 50 points for $3.5 million is good, but the fact is, like, Kerfoot, I don't know, man, he never really has found that, like, really solid lineup spot. He's kind of been all around the, the, the map. I feel like his best success was uh, being the second-line center for us um, in the playoffs against the Habs when Johnny T went down, and he was up there on the second line with Willie. Those two connected really well, and they revisited that, but it just didn't quite click. I think Kerfoot is a really solid guy, but if they're not going to deal out Muzzin, which if if I was going to do something here, uh, I would do what I could to try and keep Kerfoot on the team because I think he's pretty valuable. And I think they should deal Muzzin. Now, you might think I'm a little crazy here, but hear me out. Um, I love Jake Muzzin. Let me say that first and foremost. I love Jake Muzzin. He's one of my favorite Leafs on the team right now. Uh, he's a leader. He was. He's one of the the elements that the Leafs lack the most. Like this guy is a playoff mutant. Whenever he is in the lineup for the playoffs, he is crushing bodies. He is scoring big points. He's doing big plays. He's doing. He's just. One of the most visible guys out there when I'm watching a Toronto Maple Leafs playoff game. So he's immensely important that way. He's very solid defensively. He's got that Stanley Cup experience. He's got that uh, very solid playoff experience. He brings a lot of things to the table that this team needs. But the big problem is he, the guy can't stay fucking healthy anymore. And it breaks my heart. Like, I wish more than anything that this guy can stay healthy. He could just play the full season for us and stay healthy in the most important times in the playoffs when we need him the most. And just lately, man, like, kind of ever since we re-signed him to that deal, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think uh, Muzzin carries still carries enough value in in that experience and uh i know he's still got a, a pretty big cap hit i think it's for two more years still but if the toronto maple leafs can find a taker for him i think it's the best move uh just just because you know we've over the last season and a half or so we've played a lot of hockey without jake muzzin and uh we haven't missed him too bad especially in like regular season it's not that noticeable it's extremely noticeable in the playoffs. I understand that, but he hasn't played that many games for us in the playoffs either. So there has to be someone out there that can be that big body. Uh, I don't think we're going to find a guy that can give us that offense and that defense that Jake Muzzin brings because Jake Muzzin does have a pretty solid, I'd even say good offensive upside. He just doesn't have to show it off that much, but he's a solid like 30, 40 point defenseman, but his defensive uh, abilities are very good and he can fucking crush guys and he's a very solid leader in that locker room but that cap hits high and the fact that we've played a lot of games without him and i think it's time to give you know give sandine give him the money give him a contract and let's give him the time let's see what we really have in this kid i think sandine should be playing top four minutes this year that's i'm going for it like i think it should be we should look at something like riley and put him back with fucking goddamn TJ Brody for God's sakes. I want that Morgan Riley with TJ Brody 100%. We're going to I would go with a Sandine and um and Sandine and who's that guy? Okay, let's skip that one. Sandine and Blank and uh maybe 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 Justin Hall and or Giordano slots in with with one of these young guys, but I really like the the dynamic of Lilligren and Giordano together. But if we are keeping Hall, I could also see like a Lilligren uh, Hall third pairing. I know some of you out there fucking hate Justin Hall. Trust me, I'm extremely frustrated with him too. But uh, maybe we move out Justin Hall as well and we just get a completely different uh, top six 
defensively sound guy. I don't think Jamie Ben or uh, Jordy Ben should be in the everyday lineup, nor Victor Mete. I think those are solid depth signings, but um, that's my two cents on what they should do with the defense. I think one of those guys has got to go, if not two of them. But uh, out of those three guys, I think Kerfoot should be the one that stays the most, and Sandine, obviously, and... Uh, I'd be looking at trading off uh, a Hall or possibly a Muzzin, even though it would hurt. Like, losing Muzzin would really hurt me. And then on top of that, we still need, the Leafs still need some bottom six forwards and probably some forward depth. I think we still have uh, two uh, unfilled spots in the bottom six. Now, I don't know if a Matthew Nyes or someone from the minors are going to fill in that. And I'm also looking at... Uh, Nick Robertson, Nick Robertson to, uh, I'm hoping that this guy can crack the top six this year. He's had such a tragic fucking development since he got drafted by the Leafs. I know last season he broke his fucking leg and he's just been a little bit injury prone. Um, I still think this guy, you know, I'm not, he's not a lost cause yet. He's still pretty damn young and he still has the upside. Uh, I don't know if he's going to hit that potential that he has like Jason Robertson, his brother in Dallas. Now that kid is a legitimate like superstar. That kid is amazing. If we can get something like that, I, I just want Robertson to be like, if we can get a 20 goal score, 20, 25 goal, 50, 50, 55 points out of him this season, that would be so sick. That'd be so sick. He's a little water bug out there. So I really want to see, um, Nick Robertson cracked that top six top six this year. So what do you guys think? Do you see any names out there that the Leafs should go after? I know Calvin DeHaan's always been on the radar. I don't like like I said, I don't know if like if if theoretically we get rid of uh, Justin Hall and Muzzin, for example, I think Calvin DeHaan would be a really solid defensively minded defensive top six d defenseman that we could sign, maybe cheap. Uh these guys haven't gotten deals yet, so the longer they sit out there in free agency the maybe the lower the the cap hit will be for some of these guys okay so moving in moving on to the next topic so there is a little thing called offer sheets out there and uh there's a few guys out there that that could potentially get offer sheeted this year we saw one last year this is a very rare occurrence in the nhl for no reason other than like gms just don't want to get a bad rap and they don't want to be seen in in the views of other gms as like Oh, this guy just wants to try and fuck us over. Like, like the beef last season with, with Montreal and Carolina was fucking awesome. Carolina steals Cockton Niemi out of, uh, out of the Montreal system. They, they, they uh, offered him just a, the right amount of money that Montreal was going to let him go. They weren't going to... Um, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, 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 they're going to qualify. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna answer. They're going to... Uh, what the fuck word am I looking for here? I don't know. Uh, regardless, Montreal let him go. They let him walk. They took their draft picks, and then they took those draft picks, uh, traded with Arizona and brought in Dvorak, who I think is, at the time when they made that deal, it, they were pretty comparable players. Dvorak being, like, maybe the better player right now, but Cockton Yemi being uh, has a higher ceiling to be a better player in the future. It looks like Cotton Yemi is going to be more than likely they're possibly a second line center for Carolina this year. So we could he signed a huge ticket, seven years, seven or eight year deal, long, long, long term deal with quite a bit of money attached to it. So are we going to see that this year? So there's there's one that interests me, uh, Rasmus Sandin. So if a team decides to let's say offer Sandin three, three and a half, four million dollars for one two years, the Leafs are fucked. They will. They absolutely would not be able to qualify or um, match that offer. There we go. Got it. I'm okay. I got it. 
they wouldn't be able to match that offer unless they make some deals. They would have to then trade out a Muzzin, probably a Kerfoot, and then and then now we're on the hook for a four, three, four million dollar uh, deal on Kerfoot, which I don't think the Leafs are willing to pay him right now. That may be why, like there may be an indifference in money between those two. I can't see him making very much more than like $2 million because he doesn't have a, a large resume of NHL hockey underneath his belt yet. But, um, a team very well, like Arizona could easily just be like, here's $4 million. Come sign with us. We'll give the Toronto Maple Leafs the, the second or maybe third round pick, whatever. We have a thousand of them and boom, we get a, a solid young defenseman that we could, we can try and develop here. So uh, there's potential for something like that to happen. I really hope it doesn't. These things are very rare. There's not not a lot of uh, uh, qualify or uh, offer sheets that have ever happened. Uh, one of the bigger ones was the Shea Weber way, way, way back in the day uh, when he was still with Nashville. The Philadelphia Flyers. I think they offered him, it was like a 14-year deal. It was like $100 million. In to- it was a huge, huge, huge deal. And uh, fucking Nashville matched the offer, and, and boom. they were they <laughs> and, and Shea Weber's contract still lives on today. It was, just, it was such a massive contract. But um, there's a few names out there that, that can be uh, sent uh, offer uh, from other teams. And uh, here's a couple that I think are interesting. Jesper Brad out of uh, New Jersey Devils. Do I think he's going to... I think he could very well get an offer, but do I think uh, New Jersey's going to let this guy go? No. I think they have the money to be able to re-sign this guy for whatever. If anyone's going to offer him, like, say they offer, like, a 7 or $8 million uh, deal to him, I think... New Jersey would match that. They might grit their teeth a little bit at matching that, but Jesper Brad is a fucking stud, dude. I had him in fantasy last year. He was a point of game player. He's very, very good. They just New Jersey just needed to give him more top six time, and now he's getting it. So uh, he's a very solid player. Don't think he's in danger of getting stolen. Capo Caco out of uh, the Rangers. If the Rangers don't deal him, him uh, he'll deal him themselves. I don't think very many teams are going to be too interested in Capo Caco because I don't know, man, it's the bus thing is getting tossed around on this kid a lot. Uh, he hasn't really reached that offensive potential yet. He's it's still very early in his career. Uh, he's, he has developed a pretty solid defensive game. Uh, he's pretty well-rounded on that two-way game. Uh, we're still just waiting for this kid to explode on the offense. So if anyone was going to offer him a, uh, uh, offer sheet. I don't think it would be worth very, very much. And with that being in mind, I think uh, Rangers would qualify, would match that offer without much of a problem. So Rangers fans, I think you're safe for now. Patrick Laine out of out of Columbus. Uh, again, this guy, I don't think he's too in danger of, a, of an offer sheet. Uh, someone very well could. I mean, you could see a Seattle. They are desperate for goal scoring. How desperate? Are they desperate enough to maybe send Patrick Laine a $9 million offer sheet? Would Columbus be willing to? I feel like Columbus at this point is going to do everything they can to uh, get Line A to stay there. They brought in Johnny Goudreau. That just kind of greases the wheels a little bit more for convincing Line A to stay. I feel like they're willing to pay him. I feel like Columbus is, is opening the wallet nowadays. Uh, excuse me. And uh, I think they're going to do whatever they can. But I would be very interested to see a Seattle maybe swoop in there. Yo, Line, you want to come play with us? We'll give you some more money. And uh, yeah, that would just make uh, things for Columbus a little bit harder. Uh, another player out there that I'm seeing is uh, Mangiapane out of Calgary. 
I know there's also Kachuk. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but Mangiapane is also out there. He could very well get uh, an offer sheet. Again, uh, maybe a team like Seattle, who's very, very desperate for uh, goal scoring. It would be a very risky offer sheet just because I know Mangiapane had a hell of a year. Um, but it was a very front-loaded year. He got off to a really hot start, and that second half of the season wasn't very wasn't very good. So if I was a GM, I I would be a little weary on that one, just just cause like I I see Mangiapane being more of a consistent twenty goals. He absolutely, dude, go out there and prove me wrong. It would make me very very happy for you to go out there and be a consistent 35, 40, 40 goal scorer if if you want to. Go ahead, absolutely. Uh, do I feel like he's in big danger of being offer sheeted? Uh, I mean, he very well could get one. Uh, do I think he would? Uh, Calgary's going to lose this guy? No, I think especially now that they got the money freed up with Johnny Goudreau, they got some money to spend. I feel like Mangiapane fits really well with uh, the Calgary system, so. I think, I think you guys are safe there in Calgary. You already lost Johnny Goudreau, so I definitely don't want you guys to lose anything else. Now, there is one team out there that I think actually is quite possibly in danger here, and that is the Dallas Stars. Why? Because they have two guys out there that are restricted free agents, and I money is a little bit tight, a little bit tight here in Dallas. Now, so they have two big restricted free agents, and that is... Uh, Jake Ottinger, their, their rookie goaltending sensation. This guy exploded onto the scene last season. Uh, the Dallas Stars came out uh, at the beginning of the season. They signed Braden Holpe. Uh, ben Bishop was still reportedly maybe making a comeback. They have Hudobin in the system. And uh, they have all these goaltenders. And uh, they have this fucking phenom of a young goaltender there that's just waiting for his time. His time finally comes. He breaks onto the main roster after some injury troubles for Dallas, and he never lost it. Or he lost it for a second, but uh, Braden Holpe is like, give this kid the time, man. Like, give this kid the time. And he did not disappoint, man. If uh, Dallas Star fans out there, you know. Uh, Jake Ottinger could very much be the, the real deal. Like, this guy looked absolutely excellent last season. I had him in fantasy. He single-handedly almost brought me back out of the depths of the of the bottoms of that fantasy league I was in. I had uh, Grubauer as my goalie. He absolutely tanked my fucking team single-handedly. I got Jake Art Ottinger when he when he popped off, and he almost was good enough to bring me back out of it. But he had a hell of a season. And then on top of that, the Dallas Stars also have to sign uh, Jason Robertson who is a bonafide superstar. This kid could easily be making $10 million a, a year next year on his deal. I can see Dallas going big with this kid with a $80 million contract, eight years, 10 mil per. I could 100% 100 see that deal coming. Um, so it's a very rich deal. And... Um, they're not if if that's the case, if they're going to be spending ten million dollars, they don't have a whole lot of salary uh, left over for Jake Ottinger. They have enough to sign him for like a five million dollar deal. Is Jake Ottinger willing to take that? Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a big track record, right? Like last year was his first big big year, and he wasn't necessarily the starting goaltender. He 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 was, but he also had help from Braden Holpe. I, and others he so he didn't have like what you would call a full-on start like he didn't play over 60 plus games is what i'm saying so there's that um dallas is uh going different this season they're going uh with a different coach different style looks like they're going more offensive uh dallas has been known as a very defensive team so is jake ottinger going to be able to put up those numbers but like i said so a team can come in here 
They see this young phenom goaltender. I don't know who out there. I'll just keep throwing out, you know, Arizona, teams with salary cap. Do you want a young phenom goaltender? Well, I mean, Arizona definitely needs a goaltender. Are you interested in a 21, 22-year-old goaltender? Are you willing to throw a $7 million offer sheet at him? Would Dallas be able to re-sign that or, or get that one done? I guess it really all depends on how much they're going to be spending on Robertson this year. So if I'm da- if I was a Dallas fan right now, I'd be sweating just a little bit because those two players, Ottinger and Robertson, are immensely important for the next the next decade here. The next, they are 100% the future of this team. Um, so I'd, I, it's, I'd be a little bit scared here. I say that the Dallas Stars are 100% uh, in risk here of, of receiving a offer sheet for one of their players. If I had to pick one, I think uh, Ottinger is more at risk just because I think without question, Dallas is not is going to do everything they can to make sure Robertson signed and signed long-term. Ottinger... I, there, he's there. He's definitely there, right there with Robertson. But I feel like Robertson is the more important player to them right now. But fuck, dude, I I, I do not want to be. I wouldn't want to be a Dallas fan right now uh, with those two players being restricted free agents both at the same time. It's going to be a big off season for them. Uh, let's oh god, let's see if uh, if you guys think there's a team out there who do you think is going to uh, make an offer sheet? If you want to um, send this podcast a uh, a, uh, a whatever a comment a social media sort of thing, we're on Twitter now. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's a uh, gamer gx no, gx sorry gx podcast ninety three at Twitter. On Twitter, okay. I'm new, I'm sorry. I'm new to the Twitter thing. I I, I, I don't I don't do Twitter. I don't know how to handle. I don't. I'll figure it out. Okay. Whatever. Links are going to be in the description of this. So if you're if I if this doesn't work, my words are you not following? If it's not working with you and I'm not doing it right, just go down. Link. Links down. They'll you'll you'll work it out. Um, yeah. So I don't. I'm, I'm a little scared for Dallas. Uh, another big story coming out of Winnipeg this week. We got good old fashioned motherfucking Pierre Luc Dubois. He's at it again, everybody. God damn it. What's wrong with this kid now? What's he want this time? Well, what's he what's he want? He wants a trade out of motherfucking Winnipeg. That's what he wants. So, this kid, this kid, okay? This kid drafted third overall, you know, by Columbus in a, in a pretty beefy draft. Uh, fans were a little bit like, whoa, this guy went a little early, but I think he kind of quad... Uh, I think he's kind of lived up to his draft... Uh, hype or where he was selected. He's a pretty damn good player. You know, he scored 30 goals, 60 points. 30 goals in the NHL ain't nothing to sneeze at. But, you know, he wasn't liking his his time there in Columbus. And uh, he wanted to trade out. And then on his way out of Columbus, he was playing a hockey game for them and just literally stopped playing in the middle of the game. He, he just started coasting around the ice and literally just gave up on the Columbus Blue Jackets as an organization and as a team. So... Pierre-Luc Dubois then gets traded to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine and Ross Lovick, which now I think we can kind of safely say that Columbus handedly won that deal because not only did they get Patrick Laine, who has been pretty damn solid for him. You know, he had a nice comeback season last year. He doesn't hasn't quite reached the, the 40 goals that is expected of him, but I think this, if he stays in Columbus this year, I think he definitely hit 40 goals. But on top of getting Patrick Liney, they also got Ross Levick, who is a pretty underratedly solid... He had a really solid run there with Columbus so far. Not so great last season, but he's a nice little piece. And he's a center, so he's a solid second, third line piece for them. And they send off Dubois to Winnipeg. And now Dubois plays a season. 
and he's already sick of Winnipeg, and I think it was already pretty well known that uh, Dubois didn't want to, like, he may re-sign with uh, Winnipeg right now, because he is a restricted free agent, all right? So Winnipeg's not dead yet. Uh, they still hold the rights to this player. They, he still has some value. Now, the big problem I have is, like, A, this player is being a fucking baby, like, a major whiny baby about it. Like, I want this, I want that. And, and like, he's still pretty well a rookie at this point when he asks for all this stuff out of Columbus. He doesn't have a big track record. Like, he's not a superstar or anything. He, he, he believes he's a superstar. He acts like a superstar, demanding money, demanding trades, demanding this, demanding that. And now he spends one season in Columbus, or uh, Winnipeg. He wants out already. And, like, what the fuck, man? Like, I'd be so fucking pissed off if I was a GM right now. And if I was a GM in, in the league... Like, other than the, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, I'd be saying fuck you to this kid because, A, you just ruined your value for me to get any sort of worth out of you now. If I want to trade you, everyone knows you're, you're, you want out. Everyone knows you have a track record of wanting out. So you're hurting your own value by doing all this crap. Uh, you're, you got a track record of being an okay player, like... Yeah, you're still young and you could have that potential, but with your with that performance that you put on in Columbus where you just gave the fuck up, that's a huge red flag right there. Like, no professional athlete should ever give up like that on the ice. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. If you haven't seen it, just look up Pierre-Luc Dubois gives up in Columbus, and you will see what I'm talking about. It's absolutely shocking. It's absolutely disgraceful. If I was a GM in the league, I'd be absolutely have this guy on my no-fucking-way list. Like, not happening. Um, but the only the only GM in the league that's got to be salivating at, at all this news coming out is the Montreal GM because Dubois comes out and says like I want to be a Montreal Canadian I want to go to Montreal and play there so Montreal Canadiens GM right now must be sitting there like all right Winnipeg well what do you got because we hold all the leverage now like this player doesn't want to play for you he wants to play for us so rather you know we just waited out for the two years till he becomes a restrict or unrestricted free agent he comes signed with us for free. Or we give you, you know, we'll give you a third round p a pick if you're lucky, and we'll take them off your hands. We'll take that headache off your hands. How's that sound? Free up some salary cap for you. And then boom. What, does Montreal then have a, uh, a center depth role of, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Suzuki, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and uh, Kirby Doc? Hey. Hey. That sounds pretty fucking tasty, right? That's not too bad. I think Pierre-Luc du Pierre Dubois is a good... I'm not going to call him great, but a, a good, that's like a good player you would want for a second line center. I don't think he's a first line center, not, not on a contending team. You get Nick Suzuki up there, first line center. I think he's a, he's a first line center in the NHL, not the best one, but if he, he, he just getting, get, you know, just get those faceoffs, uh, tighten those up a little bit. You'll be really good. And then Kirby Doc could be a perfect, like that could be a perfect role for him right now. You know, develop, uh, not playing the, the top talent, but able to develop in a, in a more, um, sheltered role on the third line i think that'd be great so those three centers montreal must be loving the idea of this so winnipeg fans i feel for you this is bullshit uh fuck this player i'm i i'd be i'm i'm, I'm angry for you okay i'm angry for you pierre luc dubois um you know this is not how you go about it being an nhl guy like i don't know who this guy thinks he is like if he if he was putting up mario lemieux numbers uh 
if he was up there with McDavid, maybe if he just recently had a hundred point season or something, yeah, you could maybe you could you pull your weight around a little bit. But this guy is just a, a solid, good second line center. So I don't really get all this from Pierre Luc Dubois. I think this is a horrible choice for him in his career. I think it's going to. Uh, it's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt him in the long run. So, like, now that Montreal knows that he wants to play there and only play there, they could sit there and offer him a lower amount of money because it's like, well, you want to play here, right? So how bad do you want to play here? We'll give you this. This is what we're offering, so take it or leave it. So what? Is he just going to go off and play for another team and bitch and moan the whole time asking for trades? Fuck that. So the Pierre, the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing continues onward. Um, I'm not impressed. Uh, I, I, I feel for you Winnipeg fans because... Um, like, what the hell's going on? Let's just talk about Winnipeg for a hot second here. So, because they seem to be having uh, just a nightmare of a year, and the offseason's just not getting any better. Um, all these reports coming out that, like, the, the locker room, like, we've been hearing about the locker room issues ever since Evander Kane was there, uh, the Evander Kane uh, issues, the tracksuit, and then uh, Dustin Bufflin just kind of ditching the team. Uh, not not in the way that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois did it to Columbus. Like, legit, like, the offseason happened. Bufflin still had years left on his contract, and he, just, he was just like, I'm done. I'm not showing up. I'm not going to complete my contract. I'm retiring. So he retires early, and I feel like ever since that happened, man, like, Winnipeg just has not been able to get, get it back. Like, they were... They were so close to the Stanley Cup Finals the year that Vegas got there. They almost beat Vegas. It could have been the Washington Capitals versus Winnipeg in the finals, and who knows what would have happened then. But, like, ever since that run, man, like, shit has just fallen apart for Winnipeg. Uh, all these horrible rumors and, and stories coming out about their locker room, like how it's all divided. You got the Blake Wheeler side versus the, the other. I don't really know too much in depth, but all I know is that that locker room is fucking broken. Shit is going crazy back there. It sounds like they got to get rid of Blake Wheeler. It sounds like the guy's a major issue for them. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to deal him. He carries a huge salary cap. I think it is only for one more year. So, again, Arizona, can you come out there and help out the, the, the Winnipeg Jets get them out of this? I, I don't think Shifley... I mean... <sighs> Is Shifley the problem? Like, I hear more about um, Wheeler than anybody. Like, I hear about Wheeler not getting along with it, with, with with younger players, and he's a very old-school style player that, that wants things done old-school, and, like, I just don't think it's flying back there anymore. Shifley, like, I, I, I don't know if he's having problems back there. Like I said, I haven't heard a whole lot. All I know is that people are just sick of his, like, zero defensive style in his game but the guy is a point of game player so i don't know i don't know if it'd be a good idea to get rid of him uh but shit is about to hit the fan for winnipeg man and i feel horrible because they have such good players on on winnipeg like i mean kyle connor is quite possibly the most underrated goal scorer in the league the guy puts up 40 in his sleep he's such a such a good goal scorer like he was so good in fact like he outperformed line a like they got rid of line a because they're like well fuck it we got freaking uh kyle connor he's better kyle connor is just a better player all around just the better player and then they got nick ehlers who is an unbelievable player in his own like he is so dynamic so creative offensively gifted so fast and he didn't have the best year last year because he was hurt but like man winnipeg has some really really good players and like it's just, like, their defense just got so weak. And what can I say about poor Connor Hellebuck, man? Like, he's one of the best goalies in the league. And, like, 
Yeah, it's just it just sucks, man. Like I, I I'm a fan of Winnipeg. I really like the Winnipeg Jets. They're probably my third favorite Canadian team, right after Calgary. Uh, I really like them. I just right now I just like what the fuck is going on? Like they got to figure it out. Whatever the hell's going on in Winnipeg, like let's just do it. It looks like if I had to say anything i i'd say that uh if you're a winnipeg fan i would uh start bracing for the worst i think i think the shit is about to hit the fan and i can see a rebuild here coming uh sadly as sad as that is to hear i think a rebuild or at at not as bad maybe hopefully a retool where they can you know i don't want to say that they're like i think it got it's got to start with blake wheeler and or shifley like one of if not both of those guys got to go now you got the dubois problem like Maybe that resolves itself. I don't know. Maybe we get you get this guy signed for two-year deal, whatever, walk him to unrestricted. If you happen to get rid of a Shifley and a Wheeler, does that does that convince Dubois to stay? Do you even want him to stay now at this point that he said he wants out? Like, do you want a player like that in your locker room? Like, oh, just just such a mess for Winnipeg, man. I feel absolutely horrible for you guys. Um, if there's any Winnipeg fans out there, drop me a... Drop me a message on my Twitter at uh, Gamer uh, GX Podcast 93 on Twitter. If you want any questions, you got any things, any things or thoughts about your Winnipeg Jets, I'd love to hear it. Love to love to uh, know how you guys are feeling right now. Doesn't look good for Winnipeg. That's that's my prediction. Okay, we're getting closer to the end of this episode. I just wanted to throw one shout out out there. Uh, the Steve Dangle Podcast recently had an episode uh, featuring. Uh, Rick Westhead. If you don't know who Rick Westhead is, Rick Westhead is the guy. He's an investigative reporter, and he he is the guy that that was under. Uh, he was investigating the Kyle Beach story for years and years and years out of Chicago. Uh, he cracked out that story. He he cracked that egg wide open. Showed the world what the Chicago Blackhawks were doing as an organization, which was absolutely fucking disgusting. I'm not going to get into that. Um, all I'm saying is that I just want to shout out Rick Westhead for all the amazing work that he's been doing. You know, getting these things out there that we need to know about. Like, it's absolutely sickening to me that that this went uh, uncut, like just just kept under under the the nasty, disgusting blankets of the Chicago Blackhawks organization that they kept. You know, they they kept this Kyle Beach guy. You know, just buried him underneath all this shit and he suffered for years and years and years dealing with these problems and and finally someone was was willing to listen to a story and get it out there and let the world know and helped him out and like i i just i just want to put the respect on on his name like uh what an amazing job he's doing and he's continuing his work now with the the allegations that are going on against um the team canada organization uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a fucking news guy, so I'm not going to report on the facts and and all that. All I all I want you guys to know is that you know these things are going on, and um, we need to know about this stuff because you know me growing up and like only up until like a couple years ago, you know I always thought of the NHL as like a, you know kind of a kid friendly and and happy go lucky kind of an organization, but that's not really it at all. I mean. This organization has deeply embedded racism roots deep within this organization. It is it is it is a boys club. It is old school. It's old men dictating uh, young people's lives and having all this control. It's it's really sickening, and I'm just so happy that Rick Westhead is out there 
breaking open these stories and showing the world what these people are actually, who they actually are. And these people are not good people. There's a lot of bad people in these organizations. And yes, there is a lot of good people doing a lot of good things in these organizations. But I'm just happy that these people are getting punished. These people's stories are getting out there and, and they're getting their, their, their respect for, for coming out. And, you know, it's just good to see that uh, hopefully this is the, the start of things to start changing for the NHL. I, I'm not convinced yet, you know, especially after the whole Chicago Blackhawks things happen and they have their press conferences after and they just want to like push behind it and push through it. We're not talking about this no more. It's like, no, that's not how it fucking works. That's history now. You guys tried to hide from it and now that it's out there, it's never ever going to go away. Just like the Toronto Maple Leafs and their disgusting history. One day, probably in the summer, I'm going to go through that history of the Toronto Maple Leafs and we'll talk about it because I, as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, this all happened in like the 80s before I was born the, the nasty dark underbelly of the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization I will do my my due diligence I'm gonna do some research on that and I hope I want to bring you guys a show about the the dark past of the Toronto Maple Leafs of the 70s and the 80s and I think even up until the 90s there's a dark dark history there that I want to open up a little bit and just talk about because I think it's important that, you know, we should never forget what these people did and what they were capable of. And just, you know, to make sure that teams don't fall into that, never get that way again. No one should ever, like, the big problem that I got out of the, out of the Chicago thing is that a guy felt like he had that much power and that much control over someone, like, numerous people's lives. Like, no one should ever have that the the feeling of that much power and the fact that he ended up getting away with it, it's sickening just if you don't know about the story please do do your research look it up know what these guys have done and and just be you know go forward in life and just be be nice to people don't fucking don't don't be an asshole just be good okay for for the love of god let's just be good and do everyone a favor go out there and read up on the rick westhead stories go check out that steve dangle podcast where they talk about the stories they do a great job covering it um i just had to shout it out it was good shit it was good shit okay yay okay we're almost there we're almost there just want to make sure okay so we're gonna we're gonna we got a couple questions for the show this week i'm very excited i was i got a couple questions now by questions i mean i i basically interrogated my buddies and forced them to ask to get a question on the on the podcast so that's awesome thank you guys so much for for giving me questions that means a, a lot to me oh dear there's some news coming out okay well Apparently, uh, Kachuk wants out of Calgary too. Now, I just I'm hearing this out of the guy that's asking me the question. So, holy shit! Do we think? Well, this is going to be perfect because I actually okay. This is great actually. Okay, so question number one is coming from Kyle out of Calgary, and Kyle asks, "Curious on your overall confidence on this goalie tandem going into next season. Better than Campbell and Mrazek? Potential. Also, maybe some of your thoughts on the team's confidence in front of this goalie tandem." I love your question, Cal, and I'm going to answer that for you. So, my overall uh, confidence in this tandem, um, honestly, God, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I actually feel better than I did with uh, Soup and Mrazek. Now, why is that? Well, we all know how bad Mrazek was, right? So, I mean, I feel like instantly Sam Zonoff and Murray are an upgrade over Mrazek. And then we have to remember, like, Soupy had a pretty rough year. If we take out that, I think it was November that he had, that really awesome November, and we just have the rest of his season, we take, we forget November ever happened. He was like, 
I think rather just under 900 or just barely over 900. So I know we loved soup very much. We all were very, very attached to soup. But um, maybe he was a little overrated. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Um, he had like those couple of really good months. He had that awesome playoff run for us. But honest to God, man, I am feeling better going into this season with Matt Murray and Samsonov. Because Matt Murray, even though it was a, he didn't play very much and he's injury prone, I mean, that's nothing new. We, we had that last year. Mrazek ripped his groin three times. Uh, Soup was dealing with injury virtually all season. So nothing new for us here in Toronto. We're always dealing with injuries and injured goaltenders. Go back to James Reimer, always had a concussion. Freddie Anderson, tons of injuries on that guy. So again, nothing new out of... Uh, on the injury front so and Matt Murray had pretty good numbers last year his goals saved above the expect expectancy was one of the highest in the league his save percentage was a 912 and uh that's including the eight goals that he let in and the five goals he let in before his injury so he was potentially rocking upwards of a seven a 917 920 before he got uh banged up pretty bad so I'm I'm good with this tandem Samsonov uh, he's young, but the sky's the limit with him. He's still a very young goaltender. Uh, Washington isn't as good of a defensive team as Toronto, so I feel like Samsonov's going to have a little bit more of an upgrade there on defense. So he's going to be he's going to have a little bit more help back there. I think he's going to be more um, what's what's the word mo mo momentum motivated. There it is. There it is. He's going to be more motivated because. The team did come out and say that the goaltending tan it's it's open for competition. So Murray and Samsonov are going to be battling for that number one starting role, which I think is always a good thing for teams. I think that's always that's healthy comp healthy competition, baby. It's it's good for the it's good for the soul. So I I'm I'm good with it, man. I think it's going to be good. And uh, the team in front of them, I can't really say until we till we watch them in front, like. I, I could tell almost instantly when we when I first saw Peter Morazic play for the Leafs the, uh, this past season, there was not a lot of confidence there. Like like um, the the goals that went in on on Peter Morazic initially, like dude, like when it, they would have a, a weird deflection, like kind of a well, you know, ho hockey's hockey. You know, random things happen. It went in the net. Oh well, shit happens. And Morazic would stare a fucking hole through through the defense, whoever was around, which was the exact opposite of Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, no matter what, a goal goes in. He makes a good save. He he drinks a sip of water. He's gonna smack that ass and say, "Good job, man. Awesome. I love you so much. Give me a hug. You want me to pay your taxes? You want me to drive you home? You want me to take your wife out to dinner and a movie? I'll do anything for you." And like Morazic was just such the opposite. Like he just seemed like a real really tight tight up goaltender not a lot of chill so i didn't think there was a lot of uh peter Morazic confidence with the leafs uh, i don't think that ever really got there but um yeah the, the 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 soup confidence was as high as i've ever seen it uh in a goaltender i've never seen a team a leaf team rally behind their goaltender like they did with soup so uh all i can say is that i can all we can do is hope for the best i think this team is going to welcome matt murray and samsonov with open arms i think matt murray in particular because he's had such a a hard road and i think the team is going to do whatever they can to rally and man like let's just say that matt murray in his first game 
he comes out and he gets like a fucking shutout. Like, let's just say Leafs come out, win a 3 nothing in their first game. Can you imagine that as a rallying point? Like, boom, all this shit that fucking Matt Murray went through, all this shit talk that he probably has to deal with this whole summer, you know, all the fans, oh, this guy sucks, oh, he's terrible, blah, blah, blah. All that shit, and he comes out in his first game, gets a shutout. Dude, that would be so fucking huge. So I'm rooting for Matt Murray. I love him. Uh, I already love him. I love him. Just he's on our team, so we have to love him. So I feel good going into this season with this goaltending tandem. Sorry to take 11 minutes to answer your question, Kyle. Okay, and then we got a second question here. Uh, this one coming out, uh, coming from a buddy Billy out in Ontario. Uh, his question is. Rumors are swirling uh, that Matthew Kachuk might be traded because Calgary fears him leaving for nothing after this year. If he if he is moved, where do you see him going, and what would it take to pull off a deal? And I fucking like this question, and that ties right into what uh, my buddy Kyle just told me that he is also hearing those rumors. Now he lives in Calgary, and he's hearing those rumors. So, rumor has it that Matty Kachuk wants out of Calgary. Oh my god, man. The hits just keep fucking coming for Calgary. So if you guys lose lose both Johnny Goudreau and Maddie Kachuk, I'm gonna fucking feel so bad, man. I'm gonna feel so bad because Maddie Kachuk is so awesome in Calgary. I love him in Calgary. He's so awesome and so is Johnny Goudreau. It seems like a it seems like a real fucking era is coming to an end here. So to answer your question, my man, um I got I came up with uh true two trade scenarios that I think could happen. Um that I think could happen. Now, me personally, I think that Kachuk is staying. I think he'll stay. Um, but for the sake of your question and for the sake of, of funness, I came up with two teams I think he can go to. So team number one that I think he can go to is the St. Louis Blues. And here's why. I think we know why. His dad played for the St. Louis Blues way back in the day. They loved St. Louis as a family. They loved the St. Louis. St. Louis loves the Kachuks. So that's a great fit for him. So what do I think it would take to pry away Maddie Kachuk out of Calgary to go to St. Louis? Well, here is what I said. Going to the Calgary Flames, I'm saying it's got to be one of Ryan O'Reilly. Now, it would only work with Ryan O'Reilly because I believe he only has one year on his deal as well. Ryan O'Reilly would have to resign. Okay? So, Ryan O'Reilly or Braden Shen. Braden Shen would work better because, he's well, he's younger. He's a center, which they would need. And, um... And he's locked up for more term. I think he's got like a bunch of years left. So he's locked up. So I'm saying, let's just say Braden Shen, a first round pick and a, and a high end prospect. And their highest end prospect is Perunovic. So that is what I'm offering. And on top of that, there'd probably be like an extra second round pick. I would imagine. I guess it would depend when this trade takes place. Let's say it takes place midway through the season. And we'll just say that, let's just say that St. Louis is a, is a very good team. They're, they're top two in their division. So I would say on top of that first round pick, they would also have to throw in like a conditional uh, second or third round pick. So a trade for St. Louis. If you're a St. Louis fan, would you do Braden Shen a first a second and Perunovich for Matty Kachuk. Would you do it? I don't know if I, mm, uh, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, like if Ryan O'Reilly had more term, you do Ryan O'Reilly, a first, a second Perunovich. Sure. I mean, if, if you know, Kachuk isn't going to sign with you, then yeah, dude, I'd take that. Um, 
And then my other one, I have uh, an Ottawa Senators. Let's say uh, Ottawa Senators get a deal done. Now this one is a little less because I don't think I don't think it's as good of an offer as the St. Louis one. But I have going to Calgary, a solid roster player like Batherson or Formenton. Now Formenton's not signed yet, but I think he will be. I think uh, I mean Batherson is without question the better player than Formenton. Um, so I'm saying Batherson. Plus a high-end prospect, which, I mean, Ottawa has a lot of high-end prospects. They got Jake Sanderson, which I, I feel like he's probably the one untouchable on Ottawa's team. Uh, they got Eric Brandstrom. They got, like, uh, hold on. I think I have their prospect list here. But, I'm like, <laughs> I don't think they would do a fucking... Um, Sanderson just because they need him so badly. I was going to talk about um, Ottawa and their team, but I think I'll wait a little bit later and, and just wait for the team to fill out a little bit and, and get more of those signings. But they have other, they have Shane Pinto, a center, 21 years old, uh, Ridley Gregg, Tyler Boucher, who they just picked, uh, not last year, uh, Roby Jarventi. I mean, they got J Jacob Bernard Docker. I've heard that name thrown out a lot. Lassie Thompson. These guys have a ton of prospects. So I could see like Ottawa throwing in, uh, you know, a Drake Batherson, Formenton, one or two of those high end prospects, and then a first and a second. So let's say, um, Drake Batherson plus, um, Let's do uh, Bernard Docker and Brandstrom plus a first. Would you take that for Matty Kachuk? Is that enough? Would you do it? I have no idea, dude. That that would be a massive fucking trade. Um, for 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 Calgary, I wouldn't be. I, I'd be extremely upset losing uh, Kachuk, but I think um, either one of those hauls. Uh, I like the, I don't know, man. Ottawa's got a lot of prospects, but the only thing is like, we don't know much about those prospects yet. So it's kind of magic beans, but, uh, I would, I would maybe, mm, uh, maybe I'm siding more on the Ottawa side because I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but they're going to be definitely in the running. Um, so it could very well be a top, you know, at 18 to 12 pick at, in that first round. So that could be pretty solid. Uh, I, I probably side with the Ottawa one just for the fun of it. And then you get both the Kachucks playing together. Um, that's in a perfect world though. Who knows uh, what trade, what kind of trade we're going to see for Matty Kachuk or if he's just going to fucking walk, who knows? Um, I'm devastated for you Calgary fans to hear that news. That sucks so hard. Losing Goudreau, like, for nothing like he literally just walked for nothing and then now potentially like what if Kachuk does the same fucking thing I feel horrible for you uh Calgary Flames fans if uh if you want to vent to me uh go ahead and follow me on Twitter at the GX podcast 93 uh throw a message at me tell me what tell me what you think uh Calgary should do and and do you think that Maddie Kachuk is going to resign would you take either one of those deals do you think that maybe that's too much maybe I over overshot my shot but I mean it is Maddie Kachuk hundred point player and he, and he brings those those variables that not a lot of players bring these days so all right y'all that's all the stories and news that i am going to bring you for today like i just said if you uh want to go ahead and follow me on twitter it's uh gx podcast 93 go ahead and follow me there i'll uh be dropping like i said i gotta play around with twitter i gotta get used to it get my but uh you're gonna you're gonna 
get your information there. I'll be letting you know when the podcasts are dropping, maybe give you a couple sneak peeks on what's what's coming up. Um, I also want to tell you a little bit about the schedule that I'm going to start falling more into a schedule here. So I know this podcast is going up on Tuesday, but I'm thinking podca- uh, hockey podcasts are going to go up on Wednesdays. I'm going to do wrestling podcasts on Saturday, and then the gaming podcast will go up on Sundays. Uh, if that sounds good to you guys, let me know if you like that that kind of schedule. I was looking at the numbers, and it seems like you know weekends are obviously going to be pretty good, but I don't want to leave you guys high and dry th- throughout your weekday. I know people work, right? And I love to listen to podcasts while I work, so I didn't want to leave you guys with nothing to listen to for, throughout the week, so I'll throw in something there on the weekdays. But uh, if you want less on the weekend, more on the weekday, just let me know. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Do I, how, do, how else do I end these things? Um, do I say other stuff? Uh, make sure you go check out. Uh, I got episode one up of the gamer of the GX Gamer Cast. I'm talking about Rock Band. Just a little uh, quick retrospective and memories that I have about the game. Uh, I, I enjoyed the episode. I, I listened to it and I thought I did a pretty good job. So uh, fuck yeah, me. Um, all right, so I'm guaranteed that Kadri is gonna sign the second I stop hitting. Uh, once I stop recording this, um, fuck you if you do that to me, Kadri, you little bastard. Uh, he's signing for. He's gonna sign in Colorado, okay? All right, everybody, you guys enjoy your week. I am out of here for now. Uh, make sure you check out my wrestling podcast. Also, gonna be a new episode up this week. SummerSlam's coming up, so it's gonna be a big wrestling week. So uh, yeah, go check it out. Thanks everybody for listening. Love you.